Welcome to the Advisor Talk podcast channel. This is Nick Stewart, CEO and Authorised Financial Advisor at Stewart Group. If you're new to the show, Stewart Group is a CFEX certified financial planning and advisory firm serving clients throughout New Zealand with offices in Hawke's Bay and Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorised financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. all about finances and what to do with them and how to get the best return on your investment and it's our pleasure as always to have in the studio Nick Stewart from the Stewart Group right here in Hastings. How are you going Nick? Yeah great thanks and what an amazing couple of weeks it's been since we last caught up. Yeah there's only one story really isn't there? Yeah there is. Tell yeah. us about it. <laughs> Housing. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah the um, you know I've used the analogy before that to turn an air- aircraft carrier around or a large ship it takes a little bit of time. Yep. Well this one this is turning quickly. Yeah. They are moving this ship around real quick. So you had a, um, you had a an announcement. Um, well, what was it now? Nine days ago yep. from the government, um, tilting the playing field away from the uh, investing public mm-hmm. into residential housing, and favouring um, new builds and the first homeowner. Now it had been signalled for a while that this was going to happen. I just think that people. People weren't ready for a whole lot of sacred cows to head to the abattoir, yeah. and basically that's happened. I wonder, though, I was talking to the Hastings Mayor yesterday, and, and uh, one of the topics we talked about was housing and the unaffordability of it. And uh, I remember when I bought my first house, uh, and on average it had proved to be correct that you mm. needed five to seven years' income to get into, a, into your first house. Yes. Well, now you still need 20 years' income. So, you know, the reality of it is, mm. um, how is what the government have done? What, what have they done now that's going to make it any more affordable? Well, they haven't made it. Uh, there are no changes on that sense. Now, now let, we've spoken about this in the past, that there's this demand and a supply source. Yes. So it's it's both. But this one here, the problem is with the demand side, you can affect demand um, in the form of taxation policy, and that can be immediate. Yeah. And in fact, some governments globally can make things retrospective, which is you know, incredibly punitive on people. Mm. Uh, this one, there's a, a glide path over a number of years until the full effect comes in, but yeah. for many, it affects them immediately. But the supply side... You know, no matter no, but you know, look, no matter what one does today, to affect the supply side or the pipe of land or houses takes years. Yes, it does. So, because we've always said, I think it was two radio shows ago that we spoke about that this was a is a su- supply issue, not mm-hmm. a demand issue. Yes, there is a little more demand than usual, but the supply is the key, mm. and it is always the key. It's always the as key. other jurisdictions um, have found. Um, you know, jurisdictions in the United States, Ireland, uh, Britain, Australia, it's all about the supply side. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, if there was 100,000 Banksies around, they wouldn't be worth what they're worth, would they? Exactly. Correct. So yeah. And, and so 
And even though there appears to be an insatiable appetite for Banksy's at the present time, or has been for the last decade, mm. uh, that appetite would be well and truly met, and people would be very, very replete uh, if there was 100,000 yeah, Banksy's right. released. Exactly. Do you think, though, that the government's sort of um, wishful thinking on their behalf that, uh, and you have said it mm. all the times that we have spoken, um, you've got to be in it for the long haul. Totally. And, and I might suggest that probably most uh, people who are investing in bricks and mortar to use as rentals, they are in it for the long haul. They are in it to flip houses. You know, of course, there are cowboys out there who are flipping houses. So how's it going to change? And if it does drive people out of owning rent, uh, houses for rental, hmm. how's that going to help someone looking for a rental? Well, well no, there, there, are, there are two forks in the road there. There are two, two, two questions. And the first one, um, let's just talk about the, the fact of some of the changes. And for you know, you use the word long term, which is which is a nice little segue into that. So the bright line test, which in fact is um, capital gains tax or CGT in drag. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it is a capital gains tax. Yes. Um, you can dance on the head of a pin if you choose and argue another way, but um, look, it's capital gains. Um, and it's a tax, and it's a tax that wasn't there historically. Funny enough, it was actually bought in by the national government, yeah. not by Labor. Do you agree but, with it? Just the um, yeah, I do, because, <laughs> look, it's a rather ham-fisted way of introducing capital gains where you're saying, oh, we're not introducing capital gains. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. That's right. Yeah. It's kind of bizarre. <laughs> yeah, must think we're done. But, but, okay, so it was five years. It is now ten years. Now, you know, ten years is an incredibly long period of time. Uh, when I look back, you know, 10 years ago, we only had one child. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, you know, 10 years is huge. Yeah. It's going to catch a lot of relationship failures. Mm-hmm. It's going to catch people who are shifting to go overseas for another job. It's going to catch people who need to um, divest some housing because of their family's needs. In other words, you know, they had a three-bedroom home and now need a four-bedroom home. So it's going to catch a lot of people moving from five to ten years. So it is going to have that effect. And, yes, the government will raise uh, tax revenue on the way through. I must say I find it intriguing that no calculations were done at all by Treasury or requested by Treasury as to what the um, fiscal ramifications would be to the government coffers. But whenever a um, effective... um, the moat, so to speak, or the size of the net has increased, therefore the tax revenue will increase as well. It almost seems like what you're saying there, it's a cunning plan by the government to increase <laughs> their tax revenue. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah, but I don't believe that that was, the, that was the reason. That was just a nice positive byproduct for, mm. um, for the government in terms of their uh, P&L and their books. So, so that's one upside for them, um, downside for the investing public. Um, but the other, the big one, and this is the, this is this was a true sacred cow that that went went to the works, and this was where the deductibility of interest um, on the second dwelling, yeah. in other words, so you know you're all allowed, all New Zealanders are allowed to own their own family home, mm-hmm. and that's not taxed. But anything outside that uh, will be taxed. But the key is that the deductibility of interest, as one would normally do with all business practice. That is no longer going to be tax deductible. No. And that is where you will see people will be divesting houses. Now, um, you know, I, I, I have some associates I know that have, you know, between five and nine houses. Yeah. And they've said for them to get their LVR or loan to value ratio mm. 
back into a sweet spot where they're not going to be adversely affected by this new tax. They need to get their LVR down from about 65% down to about 55%. So that means they are going to sell a couple of houses. Otherwise, they'd need to inject capital in, which they don't have. So rather, they'll take some chips off the table, sell one or two houses, reduce their indebtedness, and they will be just fine. But what that will do is it will pump some stock back into the market. The unfortunate side effect, and this is a quite a large negative side effect that you may have seen in the media over the last couple of, or over the last week, but certainly was on TV last night, is that when those investors do need to sell to de-risk their portfolio, or should I say not de-risk, de-leverage their portfolio, unfortunately um, the uh, tenancy that may be long-standing uh, that tenancy will come to an end. Yeah. Although other government being other government being naive, I mean, if I was pulling in six, if I had a rental, which I yeah. don't, but if I was pulling in six grand a year um, from my return on yes. interest, I, I'd just be saying to my tenants, "Sorry, you're going to be paying much more rent because I've got to get my six grand back, and I don't want to um, lose my investment." So I, that's uh, what's going to happen, isn't it? Well. <sighs> Look, a lot of people have said that and they're trying to kind of, you know, there's a lot of jawboning going on. I'll use that kind of analogy from the Reserve Bank. You know, a lot of people saying, oh, this is what we're going to do and, you know, you know, to hell with the government, et cetera, and yeah. policy and we'll just pass on the cost to the tenants. Well, yeah, I mean, that's fine in, in making that generalised statement, but there is only so much elasticity that people have with their expenditure. So if you rock up to your tenant and say, hey, by the way, we need X amount more rental because the government's imposing extra tax on us. Yeah. There is, and, and I use that word elasticity, there's only so much more that a tenant can pay, and many cannot do that. It's like housing, a roof over one's head, is now the largest wedge of expenditure, the largest mm-hmm. piece of the expenditure pie that a tenant will have. So they'll have, you know, they'll have their rent, they'll have their power, they'll have their gas, they'll have their phone, they'll have their motor vehicle. They may have some school fees, etc. Well, the largest wedge now is rental, which I believe was the um, comment made by the uh, Minister of Finance, Grant Robinson, when he made the comment which um, uh, alarmed a few people, but he, you know, he made the statement, and that was around rent controls. Now, I know we haven't seen rent controls in God's own since um, Piggy Muldoon was in office, yeah. but, um, but it can be done. We've seen it offshore in other OECD Western nations where they do have rent controls because it's deemed that the right to have accommodation, the right to have a roof over one's head, shelter, um, is a is basically a human right. Would that um, not have been a better idea for the government to introduce rent control rather than to claw back? I don't know how much the government's going to get back from uh, the interest that we could claim back before. Uh, wouldn't, wouldn't rent control be better? No, no. Look, as a kind of fiscal conservative, I think you're better not to focus on rent controls and instead, um, you know, focus on the on the taxation policy on mm. the taxation side. Now, the reason why some people say, "Why the heck would you say that?" But the fact is, if we look at it and say, Ken, if you're an investor and I'm a first home buyer and I'm looking for a home to house my family, and you're looking to expand and utilize your investment bucket for your retirement or whatever. Mm. It might be some of your family wealth. Um, you're just wanting to diversify your assets. Yeah. So I'm competing with you. You're competing with yeah. me. Now, when I rock up and do that, I have no deductibility of the debt. No. So 
a dollar of debt servicing will cost me somewhere between a dollar nineteen and a dollar thirty nine depending on my earnings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to cost me quite a lot. Whereas you, the hundred dollars of interest you get to deduct yeah. under the previous regime. Yes. So therefore, the playing field was distorted between the investing public and the first homeowner. And when you think about it like that, you can see that on any day of the week, the person that is going to win is the person who has got more fiscal wherewithal. Mm. And just because of the way that it's set up, the non-deductibility of interest for the homeowner versus the investor, you can kind of see why they came to the conclusion they did. Just they came... They came about the decision-making process very, very quickly and in a rather kind of opaque fashion where normal taxation policy, there are endless committees, um, ad nauseum, and it goes on and on until finally, like a sausage-making factory, it's pretty ugly to watch the sausage being made, but the end product is palatable. Whereas on this situation, um, they pull the rabbit out of the hat and everyone doesn't like the colour of the rabbit. Let's just presume for one moment that this policy uh, might work. When might it kick in? Do you think? When, when, well, it starts when might now. The, yeah, no, but when might the results of it kick in? So they're saying, well, look, it's going to well, make, uh, it, no, it's Ken, gonna make it better. Immediately. Yeah, but what about the guy who's looking for a rental right now? How's, how's he um, going to be feeling? <clears throat> no, we'll get, let, let's move away. Let's, let's talk about the rentals in a minute, but let's just talk about stock. So pretty much from um, Saturday last week, so that's not the Saturday yep. east of the Saturday prior, Effectively, any transactions that took mm. place after that date are under the new rules. Yes. So I'm aware of a number, you know, talking to a number of bankers, um, not in Hawke's Bay, but bankers that I was talking to um, uh, further north. They had a number of clients who cancelled transactions. Wow. Uh, they either tried to they either tried to bring the transactions forward mm. to that Friday. I think it might have been Friday, yes, the twenty sixth. Right. They tried to bring those transactions forward, or the transactions they um, they were voided. Uh, a number of people um, uh, had capital, had you know pre-approved loans, etc., uh, and they were in the market to buy um, more or a a rental property. Who have now um, walked away from what they were planning to do, and they're looking at other properties, say commercial, yeah. industrial, or they're looking to the um, broader uh, equity and. Um, equity and bond markets with a diversified portfolio. What does it say about those investors, though, uh, that they would pull out, that they weren't in it for the long haul, they wanted to flip and make money, or what does it say about them? Well, well, what it says is that um, when the, the playing field is tilted so quickly and in such a dramatic fashion, a lot of people, when they simply look at their spreadsheet, you know, they may have a, mm. an Excel spreadsheet where they've built through their calculations, and one of the key ones was the deductibility of the debt that they were going yeah. to borrow versus the income they were going to receive. And if in a period of four years, because I said it's going to be smoothed and over a period mm-hmm. of time, if by year four there by year four there is no deductibility of interest, I can tell you what your spreadsheet looks pretty sick. Yeah, I bet it does. Yeah. So on that basis, some people just it just doesn't work. Yeah. Or they need to contribute a lot more equity. Now, if they don't have the equity, they then need to not proceed with the transaction, save for a couple more years, then try to acquire a property with a lower you know, loan-to-value yeah. um, ratio. Would you mind explaining how rental caps work in reality? You know, it sounds oh. good, or you just kind of got to put a um, cap on renting, you can't do this, you can't do that. How do they work? Well, um, 
<laughs> I could give you so many analogies. Like, and I don't mean to sound flippant, but most of the time they don't work. Uh, capital flows very, very quickly, and people are very, very clever. So you've got cases offshore uh, in Sweden where there are rent caps, and the people get the rent cap, then they illegally sublet their property at mm. an inflated yes, market, I've heard at about an inflated that. rental. Look, um, it's ugly. Mm. Um, you know, any area where there's artificial pricing, either negatively or positively, will affect the market and will affect the fl- will affect the flow of capital, and will affect and will affect um, human action. Yeah, yeah. So, so look, um, it can be done, um, but it can be relatively. Um, it, there can be negative negative consequences, just as there was during COVID where landlords weren't allowed to put up their rent. You may recall that a year ago. Yes. And the day after it was lifted, a lot of landlords increased their rent. Yeah. Uh, so, so there's a catch-up period, and it, it can be quite severe. Yeah. I mean, here we are talking about people who are investing, but I wonder what solace the 28,000 people now waiting for social housing, what do they get out of that sort of announcement, do you think? Um, I think they just... I'd use the word hope mm. because there is actual there is no solution because as we talked about the, the the supply side problem is not dealt with overnight. It takes a long time mm. to build. Yeah, twenty eight. Well, what is it? What, uh, the word is we need about twenty seven to twenty eight thousand homes now. Yeah, um, exactly. it takes a long time to build those. As you and I have spoken about, that's about building a really large city suburb or a number of them. Yeah. Um, and as we spoke about in the past, the New Zealand Initiatives data or their recent research project indicated that we need to be building 27,000 homes or dwellings per year just to keep up with the changes of the social fabric of this country. That is, people are typically living alone for mm-hmm. longer periods of time. There are, we, we, whilst our population has increased, We've got um, a lot of people, and, and I use talking about living alone, I'm talking about people who go through divorce and elect to live mm. alone. Uh, we've got people are living longer. Yeah. So therefore, even with a declining birth rate, if we've got people living longer and people electing to live on their own, we need 27,000 new dwellings, and that's without any net yeah. new migration. That's just to keep up. So look, the elephant's here. Yeah. It's not grey. It's pink. It's grazing in the corner. You know, it's it's here. It's now. Uh, it is a major problem, and it's not just a problem for this government. It's been here yeah. for quite some time, uh, but the elephant's getting irritated. Yes, we need to do something about it. Okay, so obviously uh, people are going to be a bit shy about investing in bricks and mortar, perhaps moving forward. So, what what are you suggesting to people? Because the word is also out there on the street, isn't it? That uh, there's going to be a rocky times ahead financially, right across the board. So, what are you saying to people? Um, diversify into what? Well, um, <clears throat> let's just let, let, let's just walk back that statement that you just made for a second. Just about turns it rocky periods ahead. Yes, there are certain asset classes that uh, will always be rocky, and there will be some issues. Um, but what we've got is. There are some areas that are going to do, do very, very well. For example, the IMF, um, the IMF's global economist only pointed out yesterday that the US, the US economy is going to grow at an unprecedented rate, um, over the next decade. Mm. 
which is quite a statement to make. Mm, it's a huge um, statement. They're saying that it's it's going to be, um, well, and look, they're only an economist, and economists can be wrong. Yeah. They can be on either side of the of either side of the number here. But that you know, they're saying the IMF uh, are saying that it's looking extremely good, and the uh, the US will lead the world. Well, mm. that's that's hugely positive mm. for people that are wanting to invest in US assets, predominantly US equities. That's where most people get an exposure. But if we look at something like, um, you know, in, in God's own here, certainly with um, housing, it may not be what it was yeah. historically, where, you know, housing's been going along at, um, in you know, leaps and bounds. Yeah. Now, I wonder though, uh, yeah. thousands of businesses closed in the UK over the last 12 months. So Yeah, it's it's... Yeah, massive. It's huge. So yeah, yeah, it is. That's rocky times ahead, isn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the, those those times are here and now, yeah. and that's being felt. I think that New Zealand, you know, the fact that we spoke about it two weeks ago, you know, we're effectively it's believed New Zealand is in a technical technical recession at the present time. So so those issues are here now. They won't be solved with a trans Tasman mm. bubble. You know, what well, it's believed that the back of a Envelope calculations of the Trans Tasman bubble will add a billion dollars to the New Zealand economy. Yeah, that is a drop in the bucket. Exactly. Uh, it's helpful. I mean, at least the bucket won't be dry, mm. but it's not going to be full. It's going to be incredibly difficult. Um, so there are rocky times ahead. But look, there again, it will come down to the diversification of assets. Yes. Uh, having a plan for the long term and one that rides above many of the issues that we talk about on the yeah. show. Because when you do have diversified assets, you know, you're, you're, you have a diverse spread. You're not invested in a couple of Bitcoin. No. You're not invested in a couple of residential houses, etc. You're broadly diversified with um, solid cash flows from a number of industries and sectors and that aren't just exposed to God's own and the New Zealand dollar. And that's the secret, isn't it? Diversification, because you know what is the hot number? If we weren't diversifying, we weren't buying houses. What is the hot number out there at the moment? Are people buying wine or art, or what are they buying? <laughs> um, well, actually, um, uh, evidence will show that people are actually starting to diversify their asset bases, which is positive. But we're also seeing that a lot of people have a lot of cash. Mm. So effectively, bank the the amount of capital in bank deposits has shrunk hugely over the last year. But the amount of money in check accounts has increased by the same mm. amount. So the actual amount that's held by banks in liquid cash is is there. I mean, there is just there is just so much fiscal horsepower there ready to go. Mm. It's it's. I mean, it must be really really pleasing um, for um, effectively um, Treasury or the Reserve Bank to be looking at it, saying, "Well, New Zealand's actually in terms of." The household sector, aside from the massive debt load we carry, we've actually, the cash resources and cash reserves there are better than they have been for some time. And that's that's really positive. Now, I see you've got your hanky out there. I want you to polish up your crystal ball from <laughs> from, from an average consumer's point of view. And that's a guy who's, you know, uh, like working in a job like yes. I work or someone who works at Kmart or Heinz Waddies. When is it going to be better for us? Twenty uh, It's going to be this year? Is it going to be 22, 23, 24 or even later? No, I, look, it depends on the position they're in. And for people that have a, you know, a really, really large debt load and that are affected by some of these changes, the the prognosis or the journey for them will be a little bit negative. Mm-hmm. You know, their beer will be a little bit flat, yeah. um, yes. sadly, for a little bit, for, for a period of time. Um, whereas, whereas for others, 
you know, um, possibly heading into 2022 will be better. Mm-hmm. But this year, you know, look, there are some uncertainties there. You know, like if it's confirmed that we are in recession at this point of time and that a lot of businesses, you know, do capitulate, you know, similar yep. to what's happened in the United Kingdom. Because I'll use that word elasticity again. Sorry to keep repeating it, but that the elasticity of someone to stretch their balance sheet and keep their small business going there is only so long they can do mm, that. Exactly. And look, I know it's really easy for politicians to use all those terrible cliches like pivot and adapt. Yeah. I mean, look, if you make a widget, it's bollocks that you can pivot because mm. all you can do is make a widget. Mm. Um, it's just it's just a bugger. That's yeah. the industry. That's the sector you're in. Um, and it would be like, you know, be like at the moment, you imagine how insulting it would be to go say to an orchardist, oh, it's a real bugger that you can't pick your fruit. You guys should just pivot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so, so, <laughs> so know, true. I mean, seriously. Exactly, yeah. You know, um, look, all these cliches are just terrible. Uh, and, you know, as I said, look, a lot of it is just, it's a little bit ridiculous and hyperbole. Um, hey, just one thing around the diversification. I was looking at it, some numbers this morning, uh, year to date. So, in other words, January 1st through to today. And this is something that not many people um, are aware of. So if you look at, say, the New Zealand stock market, the NZX 50's done really, really well over the last five years. It's 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 been great for investors. But it's interesting since the seventh of January, um, it's down ten percent. Mm. That's uh, a lot of money. It's a lot of ten. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. Ten percent down. Now, conversely, US S and P 500, top 500 US companies, up ten percent. So that's a differential of twenty percent. Mm. Um, so for you and I, we've always talked about diversification as your friend, the only free lunch of investing. Well, you know, New Zealand's 0.67 of 1%. Yeah. It's tiny. It's, it's a little, little, little country. Great mm. place to live. Great place to raise a family and, and to enjoy one's life in a very, very safe COVID, COVID, pretty much COVID free environment we have here. But the fact is, in terms of investing, it's not been a great year to date. So we're very, very blessed that most of our assets are diversified across global markets. But that little anecdote, negative 10 versus positive 10 for global, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see some of the KiwiSaver metrics to the financial year end 31st March as they start to come through. And a few people will be looking at their, you know, looking at their balance sheets and their portfolios and thinking perhaps, perhaps diversification is something that I should focus on. And on that wise word, then uh, we'll let you go. But before we do that, just remind our listeners, want to come and see you for some sound financial advice. How do we do that, Nick? You can come and see us at 204 in Cadbury Road in Hastings. That's the black black basalt stone building with the tartan logo. Or you can come and see us on the terrace in Wellington. The information provided or any opinions expressed in this show are of a general nature only and should not be construed or relied on as a recommendation to invest in a financial product or class of financial products. You should seek financial advice specific to your circumstances from an authorized financial advisor before making any financial decisions. A disclosure statement can be obtained free of charge by calling 0800 878 961. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, a community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.